0: Listening to Spitball with Adri Ballhawk Mallows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 59 of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows. Joining me this week is my favorite co-host. I'm hoping he's your favourite co-host too. It's the one, it's the only... Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, buddy? Ta-da! I'm good, thank you. Good, good. How have you been since last week, fella?
0: <laughs> no, I've been I've been really well, thank you. Um, Crazy busy. No, really good, thank you.
1: Excellent. How are the young Marjon Lions doing? Pretty, pretty good, actually.
0: I had another couple set of games recently. Um, Came away with a, a draw and a win. So it means... Uh, In our our, our young little record um, so far, we stand quite proudly at two wins, one draw and a loss for the year. So, smug mode.
1: Yeah, indeed. It's that little uh, Red Dwarf reference there. Engage, smug mode. Smug mode engaged. <laughs> well, if we're going to think of smug mode, I'm just going to take a quick minute now, rather than boring everyone later in the podcast, going to get it out of the way and say, we had a fantasy league with eight teams in it this year. I had to end up having two teams in it because we couldn't get the, the eighth player signed up in time. And guess how many teams I have in the playoffs? Two. I have two teams in the playoffs. <laughs> There's my smug mode. How does that make you feel? Uh,
0: Firstly, I want to apologise to all our avid listeners um, for that outburst right there. I'm sure, just give Adri a quick shake.
1: Uh.
0: He might return back to to his senses.
1: Uh, Maybe, we'll see, but I may stay hyper for the rest of the show because I am buzzing. (laughs) On with the show. Who are you? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Turn around, let me see your name. Turn around, let me see your name, T- turn around. I don't know you, bro. You're having one of those days. Hey, baby, you're having one of those days.
0: I say that to say this. and you would have did what you would have did, then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got. That just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus, put your shoe on.
1: Put it on. Shit. I can't face with this glove. I think I chipped my tooth. Wish I had some goals, even buy me some teeth. Now we come to our game recap from week 14 around the NFL. And we are going to start this week by letting Marcus go through this segment. I let Marcus choose the games this week. So Marcus, take control, baby.
0: Well, we might as well start off with the most recent game, the, the Thriller up in Lambo.
1: The Thriller in the Chiller in Lambo. Oh yeah. You know, I'm beginning to grow accustomed to that little sound effect we have going there. <laughs> what well, I me <mean>, feels <laughs> like I I have to have it at least once a show, otherwise I'm just not doing my job properly. But <laughs> yes, <yeah>, so <laughs> the the thriller in Green Bay between uh, the Packers and the Atlanta. Falcons, obviously a home game for green bay we know atlanta have been struggling a lot this year yet are somehow uh, still in contention for the nfc south because everyone is doing their best to try not to win that division um, but what did you make <laughs> <laughs> of this game marcus
0: firstly i thought it was a blowout i mean you looked at it like half time was about 30 31 7 and it was just like oh well this is just gonna be well to be fair i seen that you've already um, broken the, the, the fourth wall by mentioning fantasy, um, I had Rodgers in my team. So I was sitting there, I was quite contented at 31-7 at time because then I was sitting there expecting a, a monster game from him.
1: Yeah, uh, I bet. It, it- Sorry, dude, if I could just quickly, just to say that before the game, I actually said to young Lewis, who, who's been on the show before that, Obviously, he's a Packers fan, so he was happy when I said this. But I did say that the Packers, I thought, were going to win by 10 clear points. And at halftime, it looked likely.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm not sure what happened exactly because they were shutting down the Atlanta offense, the the Green Bay defense. And I don't know whether or not they just didn't bother coming out the tunnel for the second half because instantly there, there was that connection, wasn't there, between Ryan and Julio Jones.
1: Yeah, Julio Jones, man. The last three weeks, he's been absolutely on fire. I have to come back to fantasy a little bit and just say it's almost like he knew he got traded by me and then decided that he was going to outscore Ben Ruffelsberger, which he's done a mighty fine job of attempting so far. <laughs>
0: it was annoying because actually, when I actually watched it back, I was sitting there going, I almost wanted
1: them to come back and win it. Do you think maybe they would have come back and won it had Julio Jones not gone out with that hip injury late in the fourth quarter? No,
0: I think they would have come back and won it if they'd actually taken a proper onside kick. (laughs)
1: Um, Well, yeah, there is always that as well. Um, Do you want to try and maybe do your best at describing that for our listeners out there if they've not yet seen Atlanta's attempt at the onside kick?
0: The kicker had it in his mind that he was going to squib kick it but the other 10 guys on the field, the the return team, all had it down as a onside kick. So it was kind of, let's line up as an onside kick and then squib it straight to Jordy Nelson 20 yards down the field.
1: So for those who may not know what the onside kick is, uh, that's an attempt by the kicking team to try and recover the ball after it has travelled at least 10 yards. And if it doesn't travel 10 yards, it has to hit some part of the opposition's body before they can recover it. Uh, A squib kick is just a much shorter kick than normal and normally bounces about four or five times somewhere in the middle of the field before it then gets recovered. It's normally used, I would say, the squib kick to stop the opposing kick returner when you know they've got a great kick returner like Devin Hester, for example. So if you kick it against Atlanta or uh, uh, Goodwin for the Bills or C.J. Spiller, you would tend to scrib kick it so that you don't give them a chance to get a decent return. Yeah, so a, <laughs> that's a big whiff on the onside kick attempt from Marcus the scrib, the scrib side. Should we call it a scrib side kick?
0: Scrib side kick.
1: <laughs> nice, yeah, and a few funny noises, yeah, indeed. So other things from that game. How about Jordy Nelson, him and Aaron Rodgers at the moment? Man, I don't know that anyone can actually stop that pairing, can they?
0: I don't know. I mean, you looked at the, the finesse and the just the, the the touch and the timing, especially the 60-yarder. The because this is 60-yarder going to... I believe they were saying it was something silly, like a, an eight-mile uh, wind. Oh, well, eight-mile-an-hour wind? Eight-mile-an-hour headwind going into that. And then basically, you, did you see the laser precision that he just throws uh, it into? it? And Nelson just immediately catches it, scores, turns around, just points at Aaron Rodgers. It was... I've never seen a pass because there was some there was some lick on that. That was really sent right upfield.
1: Oh, yeah, it was an absolutely unbelievable touchdown pass. Now, um, I wouldn't normally be one for doing this, but I almost feel obliged to actually add the Atlanta versus Green Bay game highlights into our show notes. What do you think?
0: Definitely at least that pass.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've already got our our mind blowing plays, which you'll be able to check out in the show notes, and I found a couple to go with the ones that you have uh, selected earlier today, Marcus. So, unfortunately, this Nelson catch isn't one of them. So I will make sure that makes it in there somewhere.
0: But the other problem I, I think is as Atlanta is that they found their way to get into uh, like um, a sort of a rhythm as it were. And it was really a case that they kept Matt Ryan nicely protected throughout the game, only giving up one sack. And we've known in the last couple of weeks, the problem has been Ryan making stupid decisions because he's been put under pressure.
1: Yeah. And uh, thinking of him being under pressure, how about the battle between the two cousins with Jake Matthews playing in the offensive line for the Falcons and Clay Matthews playing, obviously, linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. They came together a, a few times there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Clay Matthews got the bear of that battle, really, didn't he?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, he did. No, um, every left tackle has problems against sort of Clay Matthews. He did a fair enough job at, as far as keeping Matt Ryan standing upright. It was just a lot of the time you saw him having to use some elusiveness, actually, that you don't realise, you don't think of Ryan as a, a more elusive. And then, I guess, in the same way, you don't really think of um, Rodgers as a, a very elusive quarterback, but actually, if he needs to put on the Jets, he can.
1: Well, yeah, just coming back to that one sack, of course, that was by Clay Matthews. And when you watch the highlights back, it almost actually looks like Jake Matthews is expecting Ryan to some throw some kind of quick pass, whether it be a quick slant or a quick out, because he just basically bumps Clay Matthews twice and then lets him go as if Ryan's going to have already thrown the ball so it didn't matter that he goes past.
0: Yes, and you can see actually what happens is Ryan steps up into the pocket and I don't think he was ever supposed to step up into the pocket because you notice how Matthews, this is Jake, uh, when I say Matthews, Jake Matthews, he pushes him out to his exterior and then it was almost as if he's, I don't know what he's supposed to do, if he's supposed to break out then from there because he lets play almost comes straight back into the middle thinking you know Ryan's not supposed to be there but um no I think there's a lot of different stunts and I think that, that it became a little over aggressive by Green Bay in that second half which allowed a lot more single coverage and more pressure on the secondary to go sort of mano a mano with some really good uh, Atlanta receivers which allowed them to ultimately I feel sort of come back into this
1: yeah and the final score in that game was uh green bay forty three atlanta thirty seven I want to say yes i' got that right, yeah, woohoo bearing in mind, I just literally had to remember it because it was the one score I forgot to write down, so woohoo not just fantasy i 'm doing really well um so how about we move on swiftly from that comment onto the next game?
0: And why don't we look at one first round quarterback onto another one and the trouble luck had in Cleveland.
1: Yeah, and a a great game this turned out to be between Indianapolis and Cleveland. Both teams obviously in playoff contention in the AFC, which we're going to get to more about later in the show when we have our little playoff roundup that we didn't get to last week, unfortunately. So um, yeah, let's fire into this game and see what you made of cleveland's defense marcus
0: it was it was cleveland's defense because i felt that a lot of the time that there was definite underperformance from the cleveland offense and it was to be fair you could say that about indianapolis both defenses ultimately kept both of them into this game and allowed them to sort of like um tough it out but however the one who really sort of makes it more critical if you ask me is is the fact that you're looking at the, the two defensive touchdowns for
1: Cleveland yes the one by uh, the rookie Justin Gilbert he got his first NFL touchdown with a pick six
0: yep and of course amazing hit on Andrew Luck to, to cough up the ball on the goal line and then recovered in the end zone by Craig Robertson
1: yeah and when, you, when I first saw the replay actually you know you see Andrew Luck staring up at the scoreboard and he's basically saying oh uh, my fault my fault that was my fault uh, when I first saw him or he his reaction to the clip on the scoreboard. My fault is definitely not what I thought he said. I thought he said mother, shall we say? <laughs> 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 uh, which in itself would have been quite comical had that actually been what he said. But of course, we all know he's a lot more composed than the likes of myself and a lot more civilised. So just a simple my fault is is all he said. I'm not sure what was the trouble because it's been such an inform offense.
0: So I don't know if it was just the Cleveland uh, defensive scheme or um, just the how they outplayed it. But my problem with Indianapolis is that they are still so one-dimensional. You look at the run game, when Andrew Luck is your, is your top runner on the day, it's
1: you know it's not good. No, but that may have been more that they were trying to use the pass. Because I think Heron, who is their running back at the moment, he definitely showed flashes that uh, prove that he will be a starting running back somewhere someday, especially with that uh, half-yard run he made in the second half to get them the first down on what was, was it fourth and one to get them or third and one to get them the first down so that it ended up being like first and goal from the two-yard line, something like that.
0: Yeah, a lot of tough running. If you're an Indianapolis fan, feel that at the moment you're desperate for a um, a running back, just someone to, to reinvigorate that because you brought in Richardson – from Cleveland, actually, rather ironically. But it just, it seems to me that, you know, there's still no impetus there. Now, don't get me wrong. When you've got the likes of Fleener and Hilton, who are just, like, lighting it up at the moment in the, um, the air game, I feel that's why today Luck was sacked uh, multiple times. The pressure was always in his face. Two interceptions because he threw for 53 attempts. 53 attempts. I mean, it's just, I feel that there's a lot being put on that air, air attack. I mean, by running backs, there was only 15 rush attempts. It's just, it's not enough to balance a game.
1: No, when it comes to the playoffs, we all know the key to success is having a good running game and keeping your offense off the field, eating time off the clock, all of the cliches, really. But one thing I do want to mention, actually, about Indianapolis, and that is, we don't very often speak about kickers on the show, but as Indianapolis have got, I would say a future Hall of Fame kicker in Adam Vinatieri, um, who this season hasn't actually missed a field goal yet. He's kicked over 20 field goals. All have been successful. And get this, in a 19-season career, do you know, Marcus, what his percentage of field goals made is? Probably somewhere up in the 80s. 83.8% of every field goal in a 19-season career has been made isn't that's that just bad. unbelievable
0: yeah I mean it's, if you think about it that's that's crazy you know eight out of ten kicks are gonna go through and you're sitting there going well he's made probably about you say he's made about 20 this year
1: so uh, by he's the time made he's over fit- 20 this year I think it's at least around oh. the 25 mark but I could be wrong
0: yeah so you're looking at maybe the possibility of of sort of 30 plus kicks this year so if you say he's done that over the entire career he's only missing six a year sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And that's just ridiculous over 19 years. That's proper consistency. And uh, I think it's just something that is definitely worth a shout out on the show. But so we do actually get round to our playoff talk at the end of the show. I feel we should uh, move on from this, which was um, an incredibly close game between Indianapolis and Cleveland, which the Colts managed to come back and win 25, 24. Now, If you want to see the highlights from this one, instead of going to the show notes, why don't you click on our link to our Lowdown blog, which is in the show notes, and that will take you to the Week 14 blog written by myself. And in that, you will find the highlights of the Indianapolis versus Cleveland game, where you can see how consistent Vinatieri is, and you can also see the other touchdowns and points we've mentioned in our recap. So, Marcus, let us move on to the next game. Next game I want to have a look at is the Battle of the Bay. Oakland,
0: San Francisco. Rawr.
1: You talk about Battle of the Bay, I mean, it is as good as a division rivalry, isn't it? It's as close as you're going to get. They're literally across the Golden Gate Bridge from each other. That's how close they are. So... Firstly, how they're not in the same division, don't ask me. Uh, There's a lot of politics, I'm sure, involved in that, leading back to the old AFL days. But still, let's fly into the game, Marcus, and let's start with Colin Kaepernick now the hero of San Francisco last year what's happened to him this year
0: I honestly don't know and it really got summed up by that first throw
1: the first row that got intercepted you mean
0: absolutely I mean it's just it set a bit of a tone for the game if you ask me
1: uh, yeah very similar to the New York Jets versus Minnesota game where Geno Smith threw an interception on his first throw as well That's right, folks. I just put Geno Smith and Colin Kaepernick in the same sentence slash category. Anyway, moving on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But no, actually, it's... I'm not sure what it is. He's just he doesn't look confident as the same sort of quarterback. Now, there is no offensive line there helping him whatsoever. He got sacked about four or five times. You know, remember the legs and the runs he was making?
1: Yeah, I do. And... That's why I'm surprised that he gets sacked so much because he's either being put in an extremely awkward position and not having the room to, to run outside of the pocket, but you wouldn't expect a mobile quarterback like him to get sacked that many times.
0: You know, his completion rate has almost like fallen by the wayside as well. 18 out of 33.
1: Let's uh, move away from, from the negatives of of San Francisco and start with some positives of Oakland. And how about an offensive lineman Getting a touchdown. What did you think of that?
0: Loved it. I loved it so much I put it into my mind-blowing plays.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Yep. Donald Penn getting a touchdown, who is a starting left tackle for the Oakland Raiders. Let's just hope he reported in as eligible and the referees didn't have an absolute mare on that one. Um, also Michael Rivera the tight end for the Raiders had another big game had over 100 yards and the Oakland Raiders themselves have now won two out of their last three games have they finally found what they've been missing the rest of the season or have they just got lucky with the quality of their opponents?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure about that um, because I think it might be luck. I mean, if I remember last week, um, either you're saying that the Rams are quality, um, which thank you. <laughs> um, but it's I think what it is is they're starting to find what they do because if you ever actually look at how Derek Carr did it, a lot of the passes were in that nice, safe 10 yards and under and so he had a high completion rate but at the same time he was just getting the ball out of his hands quickly and letting guys try and make a play and a lot of time it was there's was quite a lot of yards after the catch um the likes of sort of holmes and, and especially reese very useful player out the backfield and he's sort of like sort of using the tight ends a lot to actually create this sort of nice quick fluid passing game so that way car isn't in awkward situations like Kaepernick was put.
1: Absolutely. Um, Well, what we're going to do is we are going to finish that uh, game recap there. And I think, Marcus, we only have time for one more out of the two games we have left to cover. Now, I'm going to leave it up to you as to which game we go with Bear in mind that we're coming on to the playoffs later. Which game are you going to pick for us to go through now?
0: The one to go for is one that really played heavy on playoff implications. And so we're going to have a look at Miami and Baltimore
1: an excellent choice sir. and i was hoping i was steering you in that direction a great game a big playoff implications because both teams are vying for a wild card playoff in the division and baltimore to be fair are actually even playing for that division title in the afc north that whereas in the nfc south everyone's doing their best to try to lose that division um in the afc north you would say Everyone is doing their best to win that division. With everyone on an over a point five hundred winning percentage.
0: Absolutely, and that this is why it's so closely contested. I mean, you look at what's happened coming into this game. Um, Baltimore, so they lose Nata due to uh, an offence with performance enhancing substance.
1: Can we call um, him? Uh, can we call him Nada, which is I think his name? Halode Na- Nada, rather than Nutter. <laughs> <laughs> Baltimore lost the nutter this week to a suspension well there's no surprises there Then really is there (laughs) to be fair actually did you see his press conferences after that this is what I like someone owning up and admitting they've made a mistake there's no excuses he said you know what I was feeling down I needed to pick up I took it, you know, I shouldn't have taken it. I've, you know, disrespected my teammates. I've let my teammates down. I've let my family down. I fully accept that it was me that took it. I wasn't coerced. It was my mistake, and I'm going to live with the consequences.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Proper, uh, a true man, trying to at least show that, you know, we're all human. Just because we make mistakes doesn't mean you can't be a man about it and admit this.
1: And I think a lot more people will respond positively to somebody who says, yeah, you know what, guys, I-, I admit it. I messed up. I'm sorry not going to happen again I'll face my punishment and I'll come back stronger
0: yeah and that's perfect character for what we need in the league but actually getting onto the game though it sounds bad but they didn't miss him I mean, six sacks on Hill, ton of pressure, a couple of tip passes. They were absolutely all over it.
1: Yeah, Dumerville, especially in that uh, Baltimore defensive line, getting three and a half sacks on his own there as well. Well, we say on his own, but that's just obviously statistic-wise. We know it takes a, a whole defensive line and linebackers, etc., to actually make a sack itself. But great individual effort from him. But also, Mosley, for me, seemed to be making more and more plays now this young linebacker out of alabama showing that alabama is great preparation for any young player who wants to get straight into a starting lineup in the nfl
0: it is a fantastic football
1: organization uh what did you make of uh of mosley yourself mate i mean i thought he had an outstanding game
0: i've been a fan of Mosley actually i think i mentioned him maybe once or twice earlier this year yeah um he he really blossomed because I don't think it's easy because it's, it's it's kind of there's been that reshift in the Ravens where it's been someone as, as charismatic and talented and just someone so, so useful for the team as Mr. Hey, you know, someone's got to step up. And sometimes, they, you know, they do think an injection of young blood can come in and try and sort of make that stay, you know, the next generation. And I think, honestly, he could be the one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Baltimore defense basically won that game, I think, in the end uh, for them against the Miami Dolphins. uh, 28-13, the final score there. But um, with that win, do you think Baltimore will use that as a springboard to go on and win the AFC North? Or should we come on to that later in the show? Uh, We'll leave
0: it for later in the show.
1: Well said, sir. You are listening to Spitball. To throw. Here's the gonna be this is the part of the show where I normally ask, Marcus, what's been grounding your gears this week? And he probably even has one prepared. But little did he know that uh, I was doing a recording for the Garbage Pod with our producer, a.k.a. the boss, uh, Mr. Mark Taylor, earlier this week. And it was when he brought up a little gear grind of his own about your gear grind last week, Marcus, and I'm wondering how many more times I can say gear grind, grind gear, gear grind in a sentence and get away with it. So, um, his grind with you, my friend, was the little rant about Thanksgiving. And do you want to know what his problem with that was?
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know. It's been like to- getting told off by the the school, um, the head teacher.
1: It is a little bit, isn't it? See, now you know how you were trying to be in his good books and you were doing your best with your little awards and making sure you only picked one player and, oh, I'm on his good side. Then you had your little rant and it all went to pot. So uh, the issue he has is, of course, we do have a holiday that the Americans don't have, similar to Thanksgiving, obviously without the same theme and reasons behind it, but it's called... Boxing Day. We have Boxing Day here in England and across a few various countries in Europe that they do not have in America. (laughs) And on Boxing Day, we are treated to a feast of football, a.k.a soccer as some people know it uh, where there is a a full host of premier league games scottish league games there's rugby league games uh, across various different levels of that sport and of course we do enjoy the turkey and the cold meats and everything from the christmas day dinner before so marcus do you have anything to say about that
0: i uh, i was wrong i am
1: very sorry i will not do it again can i go <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's get let's get a official verdict. Can he be dismissed? No, no,
0: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. no, 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 How no, no,
1: no. I refuse. No. no, no. I did not think you were gonna get away with it that easily. <laughs> <laughs> So, with that said, I suggest we move swiftly on with the show. Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got Gun Hulk left, Slot. Dixie left, Key left. Mercedes, Wide Chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick one. So now we come to my favourite part of the show, and that is our weekly awards. Uh, a moment in time where we get to praise those individuals or teams in some circumstances uh, we, that we think have had amazing performances in the last week of NFL action. We have our Offensive Impact, Player. otherwise known as our Player. award, named after the great Calvin Johnson, wide receiver for Detroit Lions, and we also have a Defensive Impact, Impact player otherwise known as our Mr. Award after, of course, uh, the great Mister Ray Lewis, who has now uh, retired from the game. So, Marcus, I will bring you back in, sir, after your chastising in the last segment, uh, and let you choose where we start our awards.
0: Uh, (laughs) Nicely done. Uh, (laughs) Let's start with our offensive impact
1: players. Our Awards. We'll start with our runner up. Uh, we're going to do this a little bit differently, which doesn't really work on the radio, but we're going to do it anyway because, you know, we've got sound effects to put in to make you think we're doing it. So, heads or tails, Marcus? <laughs> <laughs> heads or tails?
0: <laughs> heads. <laughs>
1: It is indeed ahead. So, Marcus, you going first or second? I'll go second. I'll defer until the second half. I did not expect that. Give me a minute. I'm organised, honest, I do promise. My runner-up this week for the... Award is Jordy Nelson, wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, we've seen week after week, and I know we've mentioned him a few times on the show before, but this guy... Even when he's being kept out of a game like he was against New England last week, he still found that one moment where he managed to torch the best cornerback in the game uh, and get a touchdown. This week, uh, he was up against the Falcons, who don't have that sort of quality in the backfield, and uh, he managed to get 146 yards and two touchdowns. Again, another amazing performance.
0: It's almost in sync now, him and Rodgers, just the ability to just week in week out putting this performance
1: indeed so who would be your runner up sir I'm going to get my own back a little bit here because my runner up this
0: week is CJ Anderson running back for Denver Broncos
1: I I don't know why you would think I'd be annoyed with that because I'm a professional
0: But I, I really love this. This was a dogged performance by him. 21 rushing attempts, only 58 yards, but three touchdowns. He did what he needed to do. Keep the chains moving. Game. It's all about the small gains, keeping the clock running, burning that out. And then, of course, when he's asked to punch in short on the goal line, he does that, make sure he gets some points on the board.
1: Yeah, I thought it definitely shows a, uh, a swing in how Denver are looking to play the game at the moment. Almost like they're gearing up for the playoffs and just trying to heavily rely on that running game to see them through, especially close matches when they come against better teams uh, than Buffalo. I have to be honest about these things. When it comes to playoffs, there will be teams that will put up a better fight than, than Buffalo did this week. Score-wise, yes, it, it was quite close in the end, but it wasn't until the fourth quarter where we managed to start getting some some touchdowns on the board. So Predominantly because Denver just controlled the ball on the back of Anderson, like you say. Okay, so we move on now to our winners. And as you deferred, does that mean you're going to now give your winner, or have you deferred so that you go first in the defensive impact? Players. Yeah, that's what I meant. So I'll get to go first on Mr. Ray Lewis. Excellent. Okay, in which case, then my winner for the Players. award is Le'Veon Bell running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, another player who we've mentioned a few times on the show before, but this is just going to show you that in the short space of time, we do have to talk about American football, uh, the impact this guy is having for the Steelers. Uh, A bit like DeMarco Murray for the Cowboys, this guy really is putting the team on his back. This week, he had 185 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns, and on top of that... He also had uh, 50 yards receiving and one touchdown to see the Steelers pass the division rivals, the Bengals. Again, something we'll come on to probably later in the show. But what superlatives can you use or would you use to describe on Bell-Marcus?
0: He, he is that missing piece of the Pittsburgh offense that they've been needing for a while.
1: Okay, so as opposed to superlatives, we're just going to get a sentence. Okay, fair enough. No worries. In which case, (laughs) we move on to your winner, sir.
0: My winner this week, we've already mentioned him for good reason, and it is Julio Jones, wide receiver, Atlanta Falcons.
1: I had a feeling, especially bearing in mind you have him in your fantasy team, that he he may sneak into your rewards this week. Cause
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but why don't you go ahead and, and and fill our listeners in on and why he is your impact player? Eleven catches, two
0: hundred and. 59 yards and a touchdown. I honestly think if he hadn't gone out with a hit pointer, that he could have actually managed to help string back some kind of awesome comeback victory for the Falcons. I think they were a little hard done by with the fact that some bad game management sort of let them down as well. But he found ways to get open whenever he was given the the advantage to, sort of left in single-man coverage, or even when they started putting the safety over the top of him. You know, it really didn't matter. He was beating the coverage and he was going to get that football.
1: Absolutely. And um, if you can, can you just describe what you mean by hip point as to some of our uh, listeners who may be either new to the game or even new to the show itself? Ah,
0: sorry, yeah. By, what I mean by hip point is when you just get struck on the hip because it's not really actually that padded, your hip, in actual contact football. So sometimes, you know, you get that stinger and it just it puts you off because the motion that actually goes through your hips on even just a simple, simple route of just that, that burst forward all the strain of the muscles coming up through like a bruised part of your hip can really just, it really just throws you off and, you know, you can't get your full stride length and it's just really painful to even just sort of like walk.
1: Okay, a yeah, nice one. Cheers for, for clearing that up, buddy. So now we come into the second half of the awards, as it were, and your turn to lead us off, sir.
0: Absolutely, and my runner-up this week is going to go to Charles Woodson, free safety, Oakland Raiders.
1: See, I was umming and ahhing about him, and I just thought to myself, ooh, Marcus has mentioned him before, and he is going to go in the Hall of Fame, so he'll probably mention him again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I'm, I'm sure they're they are they're chiselling his statue as we speak to going to Canton. I mean, he really has um, epitomised the Oakland defence this year. Even when they've played bad, he has sort of gone one extra and played good just to stand above and say, look, look there's still some fight left doing us. And with eight tackles and that interception that kind of sealed off that game, uh, I, I, just, I just feel that he is, you know, especially against someone like um, uh, San Francisco, you need these vets to step up.
1: Yeah, and he certainly did that. And I completely agree with uh, with your selection there. I've gone on a slightly different route, though, for my runner-up this week. So my runner-up for the Mr... Award is actually Elvis Dumerville of the Baltimore Ravens, purely because, as we say, his performance in that defensive line, getting three and a half sacks against Tannehill and also forcing a fumble. He just seemed to be everywhere. And now, bearing in mind all the hoo ha there was about his contract, uh, I'm pretty sure that was the offseason we've just had, wasn't it? Where the Broncos forgot to send his paperwork off in time or he forgot to send it back and it never really became apparent as to who was at fault. But the long and short of it was he had to leave.
0: Um, talking about him earlier, I was, I was expecting him to be your number one, numero uno. But yeah, he, he's deserved of it because, like I said, it was a banged up and sort of there was a few people missing from that defensive line. So sometimes you just need one person to just put in that mammoth game. Like I said, Miami were winning and then people like Doomerville just completely shut down Tannehill and the entire game and flipped it on its head for a victory.
1: Yeah, agreed. Well, I'll get to it, obviously, when it, when it's my turn um, and you'll see why I've gone with the winner I have this week. But uh, who is your winner, sir? My winner this week is... Sheldon Richardson, defensive end, New York Jets. Ooh, this is interesting because we've picked a player from the same game, but carry on.
0: yeah. See, for me, it was uh, the seven tackles, three of them sacks, and the safety. I really felt that the Jets, to be especially after the first play when you suddenly saw the touchdown go in off the interception, I honestly felt there was going to be no fight in the Jets because you you watch your offense do that when you play defense, you just oh, it just makes you annoyed and your your head dips, even though you know it's an offensive blunder. But they really fought out at it and they really created a lot of pressure, kept getting to it. I mean, I think he got hit quite a few times did um, Teddy Bridgewater and they really made a nuisance of himself. But the fact is that Sheldon Richardson he's one of those real class players who's kind of like a diamond in the rough with um, the, the Jets defense at the moment. So when he steps up with games like this close, they could have almost come back and won it, you know, 30, 24 in overtime. Um, Minnesota took the victory, but the game was kept close by people like Sheldon Richardson and the, the impact he had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that would be why he ended up winning Rookie of the Year last year in the league, if I'm not mistaken. But my winner this week for the Mr. Award is Gerald Hodges, linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to be honest, and it's mainly because what big an impact to have on a game than to set the tone for the entire game by picking off. The first pass of Geno Smith and running it back for a touchdown, putting your side up seven points when the offense hasn't even hit the field yet and with nine seconds gone on the clock. Uh, The rest of the game, he, he did have eight tackles as well, but I just thought that one moment for me, that epitomizes our definition of
0: impact. Absolutely. I think Mr. Ray Lewis would be um, would be very proud of that. And it does actually, you're right, it does sort of epitomise what it is about, is the fact is that 10 seconds gone in the game, and you've put a score on the board, and you, you've sort of, you've clamped down saying,
1: you are at our house, and we are going to win absolutely so that concludes our awards this week and we move on with the show i'm eating burritos bigger than you it's time to go eat baby let's you got some hungry dogs over here apple orange, orange. hot potato i don't want no crackers man. hungry man i gotta eat it eat him, he hungry. man you guys didn't eat your weedies this morning did you we eating all day bro Now we're going to finish off the show by going through a bit of a a look at the playoff picture in both the AFC and NFC. Now, there's kind of a couple of ways of of going about this, but I've written down six teams for each conference. And firstly, let's see if you can guess who they are from each conference, starting with the NFC. Uh, NFC?
0: Yep. So I... I think you would have gone four. Am I putting them in just one, two, three,
1: four, five, six? Uh, just basically, just yeah. Go try and name the six, and I'll tell you whether they're in there or not. Doesn't matter about the order. Uh,
0: we've got Arizona, Green Bay, Dallas. Um, very difficult that that South Division. Like you say, everyone wants to lose it. So I'll skip that for a moment. Go on to Seattle. Ah. <laughs> So, should I, I just go on to the- yeah oh, should we just God. try
1: and progress yep good idea
0: detroit so you must have been gone for philly then but if that was ah. your last
1: as that was your last guess <laughs> or was that more of a statement i'm still not sure who could be in that south division okay you know, well let's who wants who wants to win it let's let's do that that's a that's a great uh way to introduce ourselves into a bit of banter about that NFC South so at the moment we have New Orleans who are atop that division with uh, five we, yeah, because of what happened with Carolina this week Yeah, so uh, five wins and eight losses and um, behind them we have uh, Atlanta who lost this week so they're on four and I want to help out with my maths four and nine I do believe uh, with Carolina behind them with four eight and one that makes sense? Mm. Good maths. <laughs> at the moment, I would have thought New Orleans were looking like the, the team that were going to come through and win it because obviously what happened with Drew Brees last week, throwing the five touchdowns. I thought to myself, they've already lost three games at home this year. They're not going to want to lose any more. But Carolina rolled into town and literally pushed the uh, the Saints out the door. <laughs> uh, which, do we want to talk about that at all? The little skirmish uh, that resulted in, in players being pushed through doors? Uh,
0: no, I mean, that's the part of the NFL, that's just yeah, silly bravado getting the best of them.
1: And even someone uh, being even more stupid and swinging and throwing punches at someone wearing a helmet. Now, if you've only got small receiver gloves on and you're trying to punch someone in a helmet... You're definitely going to come off worse there. Uh, so you know, for more than anything, apart from the uh, the foul play, he definitely needs to be ejected for stupidity. <laughs> yeah, more more <laughs> ejected for stupidity. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so I mean, back to that division, though. I mean, do you think that maybe will Carolina even come through and sneak that division? I mean, they're all playing that bad. I mean, when have you ever known New Orleans Saints to lose four home home games in a row? It's
0: normally quite um. Quite a fortress, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. They don't lose too many games there at all, especially since the the Drew Brees and Sean Payton era. I, they've not, they've certainly lost not not lost that many games in a row before, and it's a bit ru- worrying, really, because playing inside a dome is supposed to suit Drew Brees because obviously he likes to air the ball out and if you've not got any um, natural elements uh, playing around with the passes like wind, snow, rain, what have you uh, it's like the perfect passing condition so for him not to be able to win at home it's strange it probably being a little bit harsh on him because obviously you win as a team, you lose as a team and that defence isn't doing anyone any favours
0: No, but I I still feel, in my own opinion, I think the Saints will come out out on top of this division. Um, One of the reasons being, they've got to take on Atlanta, and I think Atlanta is their nearest rival, and then they've got Buccaneers as well. So I think you can almost, if the extra two divisional games could effectively sort of seal this off for them. And then they've also got to take on Chicago, who are a bit near at the moment. So I think that if you look at the schedule, uh, Atlanta have got to take on Pittsburgh next, which um, I don't think is going to be a win. Then they'll take on the Saints, uh, which I don't think will be a win. And then they're going to take on Carolina, and depending on which Carolina turns up on the day, I don't think that will be a win. Carolina and the same sort of, same sort of boat. Which I, I just think Carolina. I know they've got technically they've got a slightly better advantage with that that weird tie. So if they did want to decide to go win out their last three games,
1: that does put them in better stead. But no, I just I just fancy um, New Orleans to do it. Ultimately, when it comes to the crunch, you would probably favour them to all through but i mean if we have a look around the other divisions obviously we know the teams that i've mentioned and and by the way uh new orleans was obviously the team i went with to to win the nfc south but the reason i've gone for the other teams when you look at the nfc west with how san francisco are playing at the moment i mean they're even in danger of finishing bottom of that division because st louis are only a game behind san francisco at the moment
0: oh yes oh yeah i mean you look at really i mean this this nice sort of couple of, uh, what are we on, like three-game winning streak now? Uh, so Two-game
1: winning streak. Two-game
0: uh, two game winning streak. You are sitting there going, right, if we can sort of at least put together a little run at this end, there's quite a lot of divisional games left to go as well. So the swing that divisional games can create is massive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and bearing in mind that San Francisco has still got to play Seattle again as well. So with the way the two teams are playing at the moment, you would see... Seattle winning that one, so then that would open up the door again for for Saint Louis, who haven't conceded a point. That's right; they haven't conceded a point in the last two games. That to me is just unreal.
0: Absolutely, and you got you got to sit there and scored seventy six in return.
1: Yeah, I mean you're lucky if you get uh, one shutout every three four years, but to get two in a row. That's just incredible.
0: I uh, if I remember listening to the commentator say the other day, it hasn't been done since the sort of like the fifties era, that sort of you know, the first first inception of the league when, you know, the standards were a lot different. You had some awesome teams, kinda of like you, you you see in college, there's more um shout outs in college as a very dominant division one team might sometimes take on either like a 1A team might take on a a Div 1 or Div 2 team and just shut them out a good sort of, like we did against the Raiders, 50 to nothing. It's good to see. Uh, It's a shame that actually, in my opinion, Um, as a fan as well that we maybe left it a little too late to maybe throw our nose into a wild card space
1: to even kind of humor it you've you've got a win out hope seattle don't win another game not to mention uh you've also got to hope that detroit dallas and probably philly as well don't don't win any more games either because if any of those or say if two of those get an extra win then it's impossible for you to get to the playoffs because you you can't uh, mathematically get 10 wins this year and and 10 wins is definitely where i see someone from the nfc south getting into the playoffs obviously with the exception of the south but you look at the other divisions so the nfc north green bay currently 10 and 3 detroit currently 9 and 4 and um, philadelphia 9 and 4 in the nfc east and dallas 9 and 4 in the nfc east Um, And, of course, Seattle, as as I just mentioned, on on nine and four as well. So few teams are vying for the playoffs there, really. Realistically, uh, we have seven teams fighting for for six places, really. I think when you look at the records across the board, um, and that's obviously the fact that you have to take into account that the NFC South will have a a spot in the playoffs, well, they're going to have at least a 500 record, if not lower, because both Atlanta and New Orleans have now lost eight games which is just it's just crazy but I think we'll probably leave the NFC there for now and we will swing swiftly round to the AFC and as I've uh, done quite a lot of waffling on myself um, I'm going to throw the AFC over to you sir
0: okay so you've got to try and guess my picks are you my six
1: well if you would like me to i could try and do that yeah let's let's flip it around and i'm gonna see if we've gone for the same six that's probably the best way to do it so denver new england indianapolis kansas city okay interesting baltimore pittsburgh san diego okay so how come san diego over kansas Kansas seem
0: to be on a little bit of a slide at the moment. I don't think there's enough fluidity through the 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 offense to actually create what they need to win. They've got the great game with with Charles. I still think the weak the weak link here is the air attack. Like we were saying earlier about how Indianapolis is too heavily based on the pass, I think they're almost the reverse. They're too heavily based on the run. Also, the problem is a lot of injuries and like gaps within the defense because at the beginning of the year you've got to remember they didn't allow like, a rushing touchdown for God knows how long. It was and about it just nine weeks that... I think wasn't it? It it was. It was crazy. Last couple of weeks the injury bug has hit them
1: hard. Yeah well they have lost three in a row as well to be fair yeah. That's, I just feel San Diego always tend to pull it out the bag at this time of year. Oh, well, you wouldn't be wrong there. I mean San Diego do seem to, to find a, or have a bad habit uh, of sneaking into the playoffs but um, so the AFC North, So this is what I find quite interesting, and is that we both think Cincinnati won't make it to the playoffs despite the fact that they're currently sitting atop the AFC North. Um, why do you think they won't get in?
0: Technically, they have the advantage by having that draw against
1: Carolina. But again, the
0: problem is you're having to look and see when you lose to Pittsburgh, which is it's really important that you sit there and you go, you can't actually lose the divisional rounds. Divisional rounds are just too important. And the last couple of games, they've got to take Pittsburgh on again. They've got Cleveland and Denver left to go. I honestly think that could just be a four-game losing streak, taking as well the fact that this game they've just lost against Pittsburgh. So losing four in a row, they suddenly drop and like boom, 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 boom. They're just almost down and out to the 8-7-1 category.
1: I would agree with that because I think when you look at the way the teams have started to play over the last couple of weeks... Pittsburgh and Baltimore definitely look to be the stronger. And when it comes to the divisional games, um, they do tend to have an advantage over Cincinnati. Um, Although Cincinnati have managed to find a way into the playoffs the last couple of years, yeah, things are changing this year. Pittsburgh have Le'Veon Bell, they have Antonio Brown playing out of his skin, um, and Baltimore are just simply getting it done at the moment. And I think that's why um, they're going to get through. In the AFC South, it's only between the Colts and the Texans but this week, if the Texans would have lost, the Colts would have claimed that division with their win against Cleveland. So it almost seems more inevitable now that the Colts will go ahead and, and win that division. Um, and then, of course, we've got New England, who only lost a, a few games this year themselves and are sitting at 10-3. and three. So it will be interesting. And I'd like to see a more exciting race, but I've got a feeling the only excitement is really going to come around that AFC North title and the sort of fifth and sixth wild card spots. So that's what we think uh, as to what's going to happen in the playoffs. But if you want to let us know what you think, remember.
0: Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com.
1: Well, that wraps it up from us for another week. Bit of a bumper edition. Unfortunately, we have gone a little bit over on time, but I hope you've all enjoyed it with us anyway. I know we've certainly enjoyed ourselves, haven't we, Marcus? Yeah, as we always do. (laughs) Indeed, it's always an absolute pleasure, sir. Oh Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, mate. And guys, if you want to get in touch with the show, remember...
0: Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com.
1: We are also downloadable on iTunes and our more recent shows are rebroadcast on the 1800 online network, a link to which is at the side of the page. So until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by.